Welcome back to the AHG Way podcast. We're hitting buyer content the last couple episodes, aren't we guys? Yep. Yeah. Past four episodes. Four, yeah. We're on number five today. This is episode okay. number five. It's gonna we're wrap gonna be it up. Wrapping up the buyer series of the AHG Way podcast. So pretty pretty exciting stuff here. This is a good time to be going over this content because it's a wild ride out there for buyers right now. Yes, it is. Continues to be. Yeah, I heard you on the phone coming in, just working your magic, helping. <laughs> Was that a buyer or seller? Yes, there's some a family moving here from Pittsburgh. So right, yeah. And okay. they're trying, so they've got offers on their house in Pittsburgh, trying to figure out timing for coming here and strategies. So I just happened to call them on the way over here and they had multiple offers on their house. They're there with their agents. So we were all strategizing together yeah. to help them with the move out here. So, That's a tricky yeah. part of this process, lining up the closing date, and people yes. think, oh, great, we're closing yeah. on both houses that day. What does that day actually look yeah. like? What are we doing at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock? Well, these people, they're moving with six horses. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so it's not like they can just move into the motel hotel for a few <laughs> Do days. Do they fly those out? <laughs> they fly they, those they horses can, out? Or? They'll either, they've got a big... They'll drive mine. They've got a big yeah, horse trailer. They fly horses. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not. Maybe they need to get the guys off of Yellowstone. Yellowstone, the series, they, they truck them. They truck them. They'll, yeah. they'll bring them out in a big Ford or. Mm -hmm. They will. Sweet. Oh. Right on. Yeah. Cool. Well, congrats on that. That's fun. That's, it's fun because that's challenging, but it's also it's one of the neatest parts of this is when you, it, you're, you're putting a puzzle together mm -hmm. and you're lining things up. And then on closing day, when they just know exactly what was going to happen and it's happening and, and no true. surprises. Yeah, one it of our, all, all comes together. And one of our good. agents over the weekend had called, and I was commenting about the fact that there's always something new. And this this was Connor, and Connor says, oh, don't tell me that. And I said, look, after 33 years, every day, there's at least one new thing, and usually more than that. Mm -hmm. And that's what's kept me in this, because otherwise, how boring would it be? Right? <laughs> so it's, it's the change and the constant evolution and learning what to do with the information yeah. for for families, because you know that that's the that's the thing, right? Us staying out in front of everything to the benefit of our clients that work with us, so that we're in, yeah. we're we're not trailing what's going on. We're we're trying to lead or be in front of what's going on. Yeah, and it's interesting to watch people as they grow in their careers, the agent side of things. You see this with the new agents. That one thing each day, when you're only six months in the business, they all feel like a 10 on the urgency, yeah. like the it's hitting the fan scale. Yeah. For you, it's like, and, and you still have 10s and you still have ups and downs, but those new things, it's okay, here's a challenge. We didn't see this coming. Let's use the skill set that we have, the experience mm -hmm. that we have, draw on past experiences, and let's get to work solving this. Yeah. And so you see people kind of settle into that rhythm and gain confidence in their ability to solve issues. That's true. And most of that time, the answers are found by asking the right questions to begin with. Yeah. That leads you down to the path to the solutions or the, the options that would be out there just through asking the questions about circumstances and what's possible because we don't know the Pittsburgh market here. Just yeah. like that agent there didn't really know the market here nor do the people that are moving here. And so to be asking questions about there and what's possible there and just making different suggestions um, or asking different questions that led us to something that they feel like will be the answer on their side. So, you mean so? Done. So rule number six of seven habits or habit six isn't 
jump to conclusions. <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it was. Maybe I read that wrong. Uh, <laughs> jump to conclusions. And jump speak to conclusions. Make assumptions. <laughs> make make assumptions and speak before you and know. And expect the worst. <laughs> Provide yeah, but seek first to understand. Is yeah. that what you're talking about? Yeah. It yeah. is. It is brilliant advice. Pro- it, provide the answers before you know the questions. Then you say, "Oh, I didn't yeah. realize that." Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Oh, did yeah. you have something there? No, no, no. That's what I was just adding to what he was saying. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, I'm going to hit you first, Chris, with this. We're, you know, last week we talked. What are some of the things I guess we've talked about? Just, I mean, it's been a few weeks since we met, and I was in Disneyland, and you were in Mexico, and you were working like a madman. So yep. I've kind of forgot what we talked about the last few weeks. We've been, you know, talk about finding houses, finding yeah, an agent, finding a lender, finding an agent, making sure that you're going through the process of interviewing the agent you're going to work with. Especially, you know, we've talked about how sellers do that um, all the time. Buyers should actually be going through the same process. Um, finding a lender that is recommended by the agents that a local that, lender. That's right, a local yeah. lender. Um, we talked about the home search, making sure that that's a partnership that you're actually collaborating with whoever the agent is that you're working with, um, and that you've got a success plan in place so that when you do uh, find the house that you're looking for, you present a competitive offer. Negotiations. So, we talked about the negotiations. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up today this buyer series by hitting. And these are three big things, so we're going to have to, in order to keep us in time, we're going to have to kind of stay high level on these three things. The inspection, we haven't gone into a lot of detail on that, and I know that that's an hour right there we could easily yeah. spend. And then appraisal, mm-hmm. and then the actual closing day and the closing process. And so if we were trying to set this up for a buyer, maybe Chris, why don't you hit on inspection? What are some of the key things? Well, it was kind of fun last time we hit it from a fail approach. What are some inspection fails that you see from either advice from an agent or buyer mentality or things? What are some what are some fails? You know, I think the first fail is going into that um, without any expectation of what that should look like. So I think it's really important. Our agent team, we're very proactive in the process of, hey, we're going through the consult. Let's talk about what we should expect from an inspection so that you know, the last thing you want to you want to have happen is a buyer goes to an inspection that they're paying for. Mm-hmm. They get the report back and they're blindsided by a lot of the things that we see because everybody needs to understand the inspector's getting paid to do a job. And if they don't find a few things, they don't feel like they did their job. And so there are a lot of common things that we see on almost every single inspection. One that comes to mind is uh, recommend the furnace be serviced by you know a licensed professional. They're just very common things that you see on every single inspection. So letting them know that there are going to be some common things. What we're really looking for in this inspection is anything that's going to um, seriously devalue the property um, or that's going to cost you a lot of money to get fixed. A roof, um, foundation issues, mold, those types of things. And it, even mold is one that's like, it's questionable. So wow. I think the fail, um, and oftentimes when we see the biggest problems is when that expectation hasn't been set. The buyers, maybe it's the first time they've gone through this and they're blindsided by that and it creates fear. They see this and they're like, oh, right. Well, run, not, this thing's a yep. dog and it's a two-year-old home. Yep. So but what would not, you add? Well, yeah, and that's really where I was. It's the, the mindset and the expectation, not just for the buyer, but for the seller. Because, I mean, for the buyer side, the buyer's going through the inspection and um, maybe they haven't been prepared for what that looks like. They're going through the inspection and after the inspection, you can call them and say, well, Chris, how'd it go? Ah, it was good. Mike, it went great. Everything was just fine. Okay, great. 
well, let's see what, how you feel after you see the inspection report tomorrow. And people say, well, okay, well, why is that? He said, because, you know, when you see it all in one place, you're probably going to have a reaction to that. Now, the sooner I let them know that, rather than letting them have the reaction and me telling, well, I knew this is what would happen, I want to tell them, look, when you see it all in writing and you see all the little stuff, because these inspectors are, they are observant, right? Yeah. And, and they're, they're not just getting after things that are right and wrong about the house or need repair, don't need repairs, cosmetics. I mean, they are really into detail. And so being prepared for that. And then the flip side of the equation is the seller who's lived in the house all these years, as far as they know, everything is fine. And an inspector comes in and comes up with 30 items. They're like, how did they do that? And oh, they're so picky. And, and, now we, and so we've got, this, we've got this divergence, right? A seller who feels like, well, yes, I'm selling my home for plenty of money, but I'm also selling it for a fair price, given what the market is. The buyer feeling like I'm paying a premium and so I've so got high expectations. Dang, perfect. Yeah, yeah, I've got high yeah. expectations because of that. And the seller's saying, all you did is yeah. pay fair price. If you don't want it, fine. I'll go find somebody else. So having that conversation in advance with people, both whether it's a buyer or a seller, about the emotion they're going to experience when they find out what the inspection, yeah. when they, when they actually see it all, yep. that's, that's what how, creates the stress every time. How long is an inspector in a house on average? Depends on size, but... Two to three and a, I mean, wide range, two yeah, to three and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. How much, how long is an inspection report on average? 40 pages? pages? In terms of pages? Anywhere from 45 to 85. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they can get really oh, long, but 45 yeah. is still plenty. Yeah, especially yeah. with the videos now. A lot of the inspectors are providing videos, yeah. so you get this link and... Yeah. You know, and how much do they cost on average? We just want to make sure we cover some of the basics of these so we know yeah. people understand if we're, if we're talking to... And our audience, I think, is... is second, third, fourth time buyers, but also first time home buyers that may not know anything about an inspection. So I guess maybe taking a couple steps back and just really what, what the inspection is, is it gives a chance for the buyer to really understand what they're buying because the first time they walk through the house, it's more to make sure that it's in the right place and it feels right and it just, they like it in general and the price matches the condition, but they're not walking through there twisting handles and testing things. They're just seeing if it's an emotional right. fit for them Think and a financial that. fit. Yeah. And, and so then once they get it under contract, then they have a chance, generally, the offer, the original offer, will include the inspection contingency. And that gives them a certain number of days to hire a professional to go scrub the property top to bottom and give them a detailed report on what's there. And it gives them a chance yeah. to either, number one, know, at least know what they're buying, or number two, work with the seller to have some of those items repaired, yeah. right? And I, think so, I, I think my description is when we look at a house, now agents who've been around longer naturally understand homes better. I mean, it's, that's not a, a good or a bad thing. It's just that we might notice more just because of experience. But again, that's not good or bad. Um, but think about a 60-page report, how many items an inspector's checked. So I just like to say, look, when we look at a house, we're, we are noticing things, but we're noticing the cosmetics. We aren't flushing toilets. We aren't turning on sinks for five minutes. We're not getting up on the roof. We're not climbing in the attic. We're not seeing how much insulation is. So the inspector is getting into the detail and the mechanics of the house. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, so that's a whole different level. If the buyer isn't satisfied with the inspection report, what are the options? And let's just use the, the standard contract language. What so to, real quick, I want to go back to cost. Oh, you yeah. ask cost. Oh, yeah. I would. I usually just tell about my. It's five hundred bucks. I say just expect about five hundred dollars. 
Yeah. Um, some are a little higher, some are a little lower, but I, yeah. you would okay, agree. Good. So, good. Um, so the, Chris, walk us through the, the, we get the report back and, you're, and I'm the buyer, you're my agent, and I just got this and we're talking, what are our options? And actually, it's before then, it's when we're negotiating the contract, huh? Yeah, I just actually had a conversation today and it, the way I go over this, there's a, what's interesting in Idaho, most of the language in the contract is surrounding this, the inspection contingency clause. It's a big chunk of it. So uh, there's, it's significant. And so the simple way to, to understand it is at this point you have three options. We'll have the inspection, we'll get the report back, and then we've got three options. We can either accept the property as is, we can take it, we can ask the seller to make certain repairs or make adjustments to the, the property based on what we found, um, and then they can come back and let us know that becomes a negotiation. Um, or the third thing is, is we can we can walk away from the property yeah. based on what we found. So perfect. Mm -hmm. And good. Well, that's not. And, and there are things we can do. We talked about before. We can we can change some of that inspection language when negotiating. Mm -hmm. um, but we won't go into that because I think we're just we're just wanting to kind of stay yeah. high level on this. But I think that's. You know, and it's really a good thing it's part of our contracts because it would be way worse for some of these items to get discovered right. after closing because then really you're in court almost every time, yeah. the buyer and seller. So even though this can be a little bit of a messy process sometimes and a challenge, and it's always a hurdle to overcome, it's still way better for us to do it prior to closing. Well, and I would actually tell you that the negotiation of the inspection is a more trying experience for both parties, the parties being the buyer and the seller, consequently the agents as well. Yeah. Um, but that, that negotiation takes longer and is usually more emotional than, than spending the money to buy the house, which is, yeah. that's always attention getting, but it's yeah. nothing like the inspection. It's just a different, it is. different yeah. thing. And it sure brings out emotions in people, doesn't it? We've oh, seen, boy. I mean, we've seen people you know, really lose lose themselves over a $500 repair on a $500,000 house. And it's not bad or good, it's just interesting what, yeah. you know, what, what sometimes what hang, hangs people up. So anyway, great, that's good, good stuff on the inspection. Appraisal, so let's talk about that. What's the point of the appraisal? Go, you Me? take this one. Okay, yeah. okay. So with the appraisal, the appraisal is, is, I like to call it a justification of collateral. Okay. Now, inside the appraisal, it does say the market value of. But what an appraiser is doing, an appraiser is usually shooting at a target. Within the context we're talking, the appraiser is shooting at a target. And what I mean by that is that the appraiser knows that this house sold for 425000 So now the, the appraiser's responsibility to the lender and to the buyer is to go through other properties that have sold and closed to see if they can, they through those properties can justify that value. And so it's not, it's not to, if it sold for 425, it's not their job to assess, is it worth 460? It's not their job to assess, is it only worth 375? It's their job to assess, is it worth at least 425? And so often appraisals come in at the sales price and people yeah. say, well, that's a, appraisals are a joke. No, they're, they're not a joke. They're justifying the collateral to make sure that if the bank ended up with this property, because we need to remember on a $425,000 house, maybe somebody's putting 20% down, which means they're borrowing, I'm not going to do the math, but we'll say borrowing 335000 Well, who's got the greater investment in the house? 
The bank or the people buying it? The bank. The bank has the greater investment. They want to be sure they're protected, yeah. and that's the appraiser's job. So if the bank ends up with the property, they want to make sure that they can sell it and get their money back is yeah. really what the bank's objective is in this. So, so who anyway, pays for it? So the buyer pays for the appraisal, and okay. that appraisal is actually about $600 now. The cost has gone up a little bit recently. And different types of appraisals stick with the property. A government appraisal for an FHA loan or a, a VA mm -hmm. loan. When that appraisal comes in, if, it, if there's an issue with the appraisal, meaning came in, came in low, that appraisal sticks with the property for six months. Yep. So what that basically means, if the, if the property doesn't close for whatever reason, that, that appraisal is what would be used for any future buyer on the purchase of that property if they were using a government loan. Yeah. If it goes conventional, that's not and the case. Nobody else knows about it. It nobody goes else, in the pile. Yeah, it just goes in the pile and starts all yep. over again. So, so anyway. About, about $600. Yep. Okay. Um, does it happen before or after the inspection generally? After. Generally. After. Usually we'll kind of work through contingencies one step yeah. at a time, mm -hmm. just so the buyer doesn't incur the expense of all of them. If, if, one, you know, if the first domino doesn't fall, then why, why incur the expense of the, of the which is Which loans? is a great point. The, we get a contract together, we provide the earnest money, we order the inspection, we complete yep. the inspection process itself, the appraisal is ordered, yep. and then we move towards closing. Yep. And again, that's 90% that's of deals. Sometimes if you've got a quick closing, then you just start firing everything yeah. off at once, and Same so time. it doesn't have to happen that way, but it makes sense that it yeah. usually does. Usually. Good, okay. Um, does, the, does the seller get to see the inspection report? Sorry, appraisal report. Inspection? Nope, Sorry. appraisal report. <laughs> No, the the seller does not get to see that. It's the property. Do they get to know the, the exact amount that it appraised at? Only if the depends other on who your agent is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most of the time, sellers will ask that. We can request the information, yeah. and we may or may not get that information. Usually, we just really get it met value or it didn't meet value. Yeah, right. right. And yes. if it didn't meet value, let's go there. Let's say let's say we have a five hundred thousand dollar home and it appraises for. $485,000. Okay. So what next? Tris, walk us through the... Well, I think, you know, to Mike's point, this is part of our consult. One of the things that we always talk about is, listen, you need to, as a buyer, you need to understand that there's three negotiations that are possible that could happen during this process. One is when we go under contract, two is the inspection contingency, and three is the appraisal. And so in this situation, appraisal doesn't come back. The language in the contract basically states that at that point, the seller has the opportunity to come down to that appraised value. So, and if they do? And if they do, then the contract continues on, right? There's you no other... The can't, you mean the buyer can't? Buyer can't do anything. They're in. That changed. They're in. Four yeah, or five so, years ago, that changed because it yeah. used to be, even if the seller said, wait a minute, I'll go to 485, if the buyer at that point said, ah, I don't feel good about this, they could walk. Right. They could get it. Not anymore. So, not right. anymore. Now it first goes to the seller for the unilateral decision. If the seller says... Nope, not dropping my price. Then what happens? Then the buyer has the option. They can still stay in the contract, but they're going to need to figure out how to make up the difference. Yep. So um, the, the lender at that point mm -hmm. is going to say, whoa, we're willing to lend at 485, but not at five. Yeah. So there's a $15,000 gap there, and mm -hmm. the buyer is going to have to figure out how to. Yeah, most of the time the it, might, it might increase their down payment a little bit because the lender might, is saying, hey, we're loaning 90% of the value. And until we had an appraisal, the value was defined as the purchase price. Right. As soon as we get an appraisal, the value is defined as the lesser of the two. 
So now in their system, they had dropped the, the value, and it's actually a field in the lender's file, and then now all of a sudden value goes to 485, so they're only willing to loan up to 90% of that. So when you say make up the difference, it's not like the cost of the house goes up. No. You know, from, from their original negotiated right. amount, it's just that now, and, and sometimes it doesn't raise the down payment, because what if they were putting down, they might have been putting 25% down. And the lender says, well, I guess in this case now your, your same amount of cash is you're actually... You're still okay. You're still okay. Nothing changes if you want right. this house still. Yeah. Right? But again, deal. they have the yeah. chance to get out. And you so. did say something key, the lower of the appraised value or the purchase price. People yep. have said to me before, it appraised for 525 Will they use 525 which will increase my down payment, which would get me to a... a maybe they didn't have 20% down, so they have mortgage insurance. No. There's a refinance discussion we could have around this. We're not going there. This is a purchase contract. Yeah. Around refinances, they can't. They do use the higher of the okay. two, purchase or um, appraise. But anyway, um, that, that's more. That's the, more about new construction. Yeah. That, that'll affect more new construction. But in this yeah. case, remember, it's the lower of purchase price or appraisal. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Those are some. Those are some interesting negotiations. It's always a hurdle. <laughs> Agents cross their fingers, and that's one of the worst things, pieces of information you can get as an agent is guess oh, yeah. what? And it usually comes from our success team and they call and say, okay, yeah. we got an issue on 123 Main Street, appraisal came in low. And then most of the time you have a buyer and a seller that still want the thing to move forward. Yeah. And so everybody kind of puts their heads together and figures it out. And I've seen a lot of scenarios where the, the seller says, you know what, I'm not going to eat the whole 15,000 because five minutes ago you were okay with 500 grand. And then we now we have one random in their mind random person's <laughs> opinion that says 585 and that's or 485 that's going to cost me 15 grand, and so but a lot of times they get it and and a lot of times they'll maybe yeah. cut that difference in half, and also it depends on the market it depends on how the initial negotiations went I mean there's a lot you're, of factors and involved. you're really right we have this tendency to go either or yeah mm -hmm. like when we're listing a property we'll tell the owner well you could list it for from 450 to 475. And when people hear that, they're thinking, well, should I list it for 450 or should I list it for 475, forgetting the 460 is, is in there. Or four, what, all those numbers in between. And yeah. so we tend to deal in Let's absolute still try like to create that. A win -win. Remember, we got to create a win-win and find a position in the middle. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that's one of the strengths of this team. I mean, you got the three of us here, which, you know, the, the, the three minds are awesome. But then we got Steve Anderson and these other agents on our team. And so... I've seen, uh, I've been involved in multiple appraisals that didn't come in where um, our team attacked it and said, well, you know what, he's having a, it they were higher valued homes. I mean, we were selling a house that was a $2 million property and for an appraiser to try and find a comp mm -hmm. to that property, it's almost wow. impossible because a lot of those homes will be off market sales, they won't hit the MLS. Right. And so we put our heads together and the appraisal came in low. We were able to find a couple of other comps uh, through the network on our team uh, that we were able to pull in, get to the appraiser, yeah. and, and he used it, it. and he you used know, and, it to bring the value up. To, to so, the appraiser's credit, I, the, it's really cool when they'll call. They'll usually call ahead of time and say, hey, I'm having a hard time hitting your number. And and, I, and sometimes people think these guys are the villains of the like the real oh, estate no. industry, yeah. and and they just love blood busting deals. Like, oh no, I'm never giving you that number. <laughs> I, I don't know an appraiser that's like that. No. Usually, they'll call ahead of time and say, hey, this is not looking good for yours. So help yeah. me, give me mm -hmm. information that I might not have access to. Send me comps. Help yeah. me understand how you got to the number, and and they usually give you a heads up that it's coming yeah. and you have a chance because they know once they click submit. 
it's a lot harder to, to then right. go back and fix because then they have to admit, admit possibly admit fault if they go back and adjust their value. Well, and as, as an agent, if, if a property sale is going together and I'm concerned about the appraisal, and Chris, you're, you're buying it, but you really wanted the house, and so we paid X number of dollars above what it was listed for, I'll have this conversation with you, Chris. We, this, if I'm the appraiser, I've got problems appraising for mm -hmm. this. I mean, I, it would challenge me to do this. So if it doesn't come in, I want you to be thinking about how you would want to handle it. The longer you have time to think about how you would handle it if that appraisal comes in, just the concept of it, makes you better able to deal with it yeah. if it happens. If it doesn't happen, hallelujah, it didn't happen. But if it does, then at least you've had time to think about it. So yeah. we talk about this often. It's not, it's not what you tell people, it's when you tell them that makes all the difference. Yeah. So that's just being this. Okay, so here's point. what we're gonna do. This is a long episode already, and we have one more piece. We're gonna wrap this episode up so that we can kinda honor that 15 to 20 minute window okay. and then we're going to throw a bonus episode in this and we're going to talk about the closing process and it'll be you know it's going to it's going to it's going to mess up Annika because she's going to say how do I fit six <laughs> episodes into a five episode series which was started out as four but she'll figure it out yeah especially so, since we've been saying it's five so yeah. bonus I like so bonus. now it's, a, it's still five, five parts but we're going to have a bonus about closings yes. and so let's wrap this one up go. it's been awesome thanks for the insights you guys um, please comment below if you have questions about this we'd love to answer any questions. If you feel like maybe, you know, if you have a fun experience about appraisals or inspections you want to share, drop that in the notes and uh, subscribe and share this. And we'll be back with our bonus episode. Okay. Bye.